I want something better for myself. Exactly. Uh, and, and I've always, always wanted the best out of life. And I've, I've been one of these people that my glasses are always half full. Mm. I've, I've never, I've never sort of, I've had a few desperate moments, um, but I've never sort of been half empty. So yeah. I've always been positive, uh, even way back then. you to become a bigger person you must develop new habits abilities skills and attitudes you must stretch yourself and in so doing you'll be forever stretched this is by Vic Johnson today's guest was in the British Army he took part in all ceremonial duties in London during his time the last eight years of his life in the army was spent as a unit welfare officer for London Central Garrison he played rugby telemax skiing and competed several times at the British Telemark Championships. He is a reasonably experienced offshore sailor who owned three boats. Tim Hill will be sharing with us today his success life journey and what it took to rise within the ranks. Hello, Tim, and welcome to Podcast with Sheila. Hi, Sheila. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you. Excellent. And I'm delighted to have you on today's episode for one particular reason, such that it's always a delight to learn from people and what they've been through so that we can use it as a guide in our lives. And also it gives us hope to be able to do it. Knowing if they were able yeah. to do it and also do it. And also to not make some mistakes because we would have, somebody would have lived it and would be telling the story. So we know where the mistakes were and we would also know this. So it's like a guide to let me try and make it right. So I'm excited to have you here today. Um, just before we hit the ball rolling, can you give us a little background story of who Tim is? What life was like growing up just before you went into the British Army? Oh, yes. Well, I was, I was, I was born about uh, way back in 1958. Uh, so I'm, I'm coming up to being sort of 64. So I'm going to be singing that song quite a bit lately. I went on 64. <laughs> um, where I grew up, uh, it was, it was a, a small place. I was actually born on a farm just at the back of a place. Uh, uh, you may have heard of it, Hawker Sidley's or no. uh, De Havilland's. Oh. It, it was an aircraft manufacturer. Um, oh. it, it came to prominence during the Second World War oh. mm. when they were building the, mm. uh, the Mosquito there. Mm. So we would live just around the back of there when I was born. It was like two cottages and a farm. And then we moved into Hatfield itself, which is where the Havilands is. Um, it was a bit of a rough area when I grew up. I mean, the kids used to, uh, they were taught how to fight before they could go out and play on the street. Mm. It, was, it was that kind of sort of rough area that we grew up yeah. in. But it was fun. I mean, <laughs> we saw 30 kids uh, <laughs> got caught scrumping uh, a few times. Yeah. Taking home bottom bobby copper. <laughs> the old man to get his, his, his take his leather belt off and give us a bit of an idea for being mm. for being caught, not yeah. not for not for the scrumping itself. Yeah. But uh yeah, it was a bit of a, a tough, tough upbringing. Um and school school was a bit uh bit much the same. I struggled mm. with school mm. all the way through. I mean 
the, the one incident that kind of put me off of school was um, there was a bully and oh. he, he started bullying me. So I went to the old man for a, um, a bit of advice. I said, here, Dad, I've got this bully that's bullying me at school. What should I do, mate? He said, well, the best thing you can do, son, he says, give him a good thump mm. and then be prepared to take a good hiding if you don't. So anyway, the next time he started picking on me, I took the old man's advice. I give him a really good thump. He went flying back into the school pond. That's all anybody saw. <laughs> My God. This is a good story. Yeah. I love it. I love it. And you, oh, you stood for yourself, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I, I stood up for myself. But that's all anybody saw was me thump him. I was the perpetrator then. I get lifted off to the headmaster's office and get six of the best. <laughs> I mean, tell me if that's not an injustice. After okay. professing my innocence all the way along. Anyway, so... That kind of had a little bit of a detrimental effect on my my sort of schooling, really. Mm. Um, when I got up into to secondary school, um, we used to go in in the morning, get get our names ticked off on the register, and then mm. scarper mm. uh, and nip off down the down the woods and that, and, and go off, um, and then come back after dinner, <laughs> sign in again, and then clear off. That um, back then, until... that was good. That was some good regimen in there, wasn't it? It gave, it gave children. Uh, it put us all on the right, you know, road. You know what to do at what time, what to say at what, what not to do. It actually put some kind of. Uh, it instills some decency and everything else that makes a child a decent person growing up. Yeah, I don't, yeah, because well, you was you're, a bit of a toe rag, actually. <laughs> it was, but you know. When I look at the generation now, and I think there are a lot of things they are getting away with. And I remember yeah. just quite recently, not too long ago, I was discussing with a few women and then we were saying, oh, I remember when we were young, when we were in school, there was assembly. Now there are no assemblies anymore. And assembly was every day when you go to school, you know the yeah. uh, national anthem. I don't know how many children know the national anthem these days because you would say it at assembly all the time you recite it so every child knows assembly and then yeah. when you come there's the time for mental you stand up when you get one wrong at least you get a cane for that it wasn't too good back then but <laughs> you know it, it puts you in check and all of those things yeah. and when you look at the way we were brought up in the past I, I know you are older than me but i came to experience some of those things and when i compare it to what's happening now i see that so many things have been taken for granted and these children kind of do what they want and the upbringing yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not sure I want to be a kid in this age I know at all no, I mean I, I feel pretty sorry for my grandchildren yeah. really I mean what they they're going to be growing up into and uh, yeah. I mean if you if you take a look at the last 50 years and, and look at you couldn't imagine 50 years ago having the, what we've got nowadays. I mean, yeah. kids, they, they, they're like that all day on their phones. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. They've got really strong thumbs, but it, I don't yeah. know I don't have anything else. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. And when you take it from them, it's as if you've taken gold, the whole world from them. They cannot do without it and all that. And it's, I think yeah. it's actually going to have a massive negative impact 
on our society, our community, our country, and everything else. But uh, let's not go too much deep into that one. I want us to dwell a little bit on your time in the British Army. And um, what actually took you there? Yeah. What took you into the well, British Army? That's another funny story. Yeah. Up until the age of 11, okay. I was going to be a farmer. Oh. I was going to follow my granddad. Uh, we spent a lot of time going down with granddad's on a farm, uh, and I wanted to be a pig farmer. Okay. We have, in England at that time, you had the 11 plus. Mm. So every kid at mm. sort, of, sort of 10, if you were good, you'd be able to go to a grammar school. Okay. And if, if you wasn't, you'd end up in one of the secondary schools. Uh, so, uh, because I hadn't done a, an awful lot of learning at that stage, um, I ended up having to go into a normal sort of comprehensive school. Okay. which was a big one. It was, it was easy to bunk off because nobody knew who you were half the time. Mm. So when I, when I went to take this test and I failed miserably, um, we, I was going to go to an agricultural boarding school. Okay. Uh, so I went there, took, took the entrance test to, to, to go into this agricultural boarding school and failed that miserably. Okay. It was at that point my life changed. So I thought, what do I do next? What, join the army? 14 and three quarters was the first time I could go and, sort of go and take the test to join the army. Okay. So I went and took the test to join the army and failed that miserably as well. Oh. And the old recruiting sergeant, he says to me, son, if you can't uh, read and write proper, you can't come into the army. Well, blimey, that was a devastating effect to me. I was, so I went and took a long, hard look at myself over that weekend and I decided, well, I've got to do something. I've got no chance of getting in the army. So I went back to school on the following Monday. I went to every single class. Half the teachers thought I was a new student. <laughs> anyway, I knuckled down. Uh, and at about, I think it was about six or seven months later, back uh, with a mate to take the test to join the army. Uh, and uh, the, the recruiting sergeant, he walked out of the room and my mate was giving me some answers. So I managed to scrape through and... Uh, and I managed to get a place to go and join the army. Uh, so on the 5th of August, 1974, um, I joined the army as a, a junior infantry soldier at the Depot of Queen's Division. Great. And Great. Uh, never really looked back from there. So I left home at 16 and uh, had a career in the army that spanned pretty much 44 years. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So we can go into some of that. <laughs> Great. So you, what are some of the ranks you had gone through before you finally came out? When I, when I left the army, um, I left the army on the 4th of April 2018 as a colour sergeant. Okay. So uh, I, I'd, I'd had my first career and then and I left the army um, okay. and I had a, a few years outside doing, um, I was I was still had a commitment to the army um, on a reserve commitment um, until the age of 45. Um, so I went back once a year, signed a bit of paper um, and I did that for a few years. Got back to corporal and um, then I got recruited onto um, 15 UK Psychological Operations Group and uh, got promoted there. Um, got promoted up to colour sergeant. There's seven operational tours. I did two tours in Kosovo. Mm -hmm. I did Macedonia. Mm -hmm. 
I did um, when I was in Macedonia, 9-11 happened. And then five months later, I found myself in Kabul, wondering how did I get here? Um, and then I did a, a, a tour of Iraq. Mm. And then I did two, two more tours mm. of Afghanistan. Mm. Um, but in Helmand. So there's um, something I want great. Yeah. There's something I want us to emphasize here. I believe when you had written multiple exams and you had failed, at that point you were thinking, what good can come of me? I don't know, but anybody at that point will be thinking like that. So what can I do? What am I here for? What am I? What's my purpose? Why is that? Why is that? Why am I failing at everything? It would have been a concern, kind of, to you. And sometimes when you go through things like that, the people around you don't make it easier, especially your parents. No. Your, they don't make it easier on you. And I believe a number of people who may be listening to us, somebody may be going through, it may not be the exact thing, it may be something else, but similar to what we are discussing now. And um, they may be very down, wondering how am I going to do it? And if you've been able to come out of it, this is the good thing about this podcast. If you've been able to come out of it, they will also definitely be yeah. able to do it. But what was the driving force at the time you were you kept failing those exams, but you kept pushing and finally you were able to make it and you had rose through the ranks and had been in, in that position, you know, in the army for over 40 years. What was the driving force that kept you moving? Like, don't give up. go to jail. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, 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 it was it was it was a bit of a choice, really. Yeah. The area I grew up in was pretty rough. I mean, you, you it was easy to get into some sort of mischief. I mean, I, I spent a lot of my youth getting into mischief, and yeah. uh, and and if I got caught, then it hurt. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I made it give us the belt. Yeah. Um, so you learn to be a bit more resourceful. I've always been fairly resourceful. I mean, a couple of times I got caught and, and it wasn't going to be getting caught too many times. But I didn't, I mean, there was lots of mates of mine that, that were proper, I mean, worse than me. Um, and they'd get caught and they would get sent off to, to Borstor, they end up in court. And, mm. and I didn't want that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I want something better for myself. Exactly. Uh, and and I've always, always wanted the best out of life. And I've I've been one of these people that my glasses are always half full. Mm. I've I've never I've never sort of I've had a few desperate moments, um, but I've never sort of been half empty. So yeah. I've always been positive. Uh, even way back then, I mean, always sort of go and try and seek some advice from from yeah. from somebody that might know better than me. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I mean, ask the old man, and he says, "Go and thump him." Well, if I ask my mum, <laughs> she she might have given me yeah. a more diplomatic way of dealing yeah. with it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, so from that point of view, it's uh, yeah, it's 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 just. Believe it in yourself, I guess. And yeah. I've always, always lived to the mantra of live every day as though it's your last. Because one day it will be. Exactly. If when I die, I can say to myself that I've had a, a cracking life, 
and one of my own choosing, yeah. then yeah. I should be knocking on them pearly gates saying, Oi, that's in, I've had a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any successes you would like to share with us um, in life in general? Whilst in the army, any success stories you'd like to share, as well as challenges you would like to share with us? Well, I've taken an awful, an awful lot of liberties in mm. my lifetime. <laughs> Never one to miss an opportunity, like. Yeah. Um, my last job, for instance, um, in the army, I, I was a welfare officer for London Central Garrison. My main role was looking after um, the young guardsmen. We had three three companies of foot guards, for the, the Grenadier Guards, the Coldstream Guards, and the Scots Guards. Okay. Um, those, those were what were the second battalions. But they they reduced them down to a company when they did some options for change back in the nineties. So those three companies were formed to just do ceremonial duties in London. So guys were coming straight out of training. They would come down to the companies, and they would learn to do their ceremonial piece, which is sort of Buckingham Palace, St James's Palace, mm. the Tower of London, mm. and Windsor mm. Castle. Mm. So. And, and then they do the troop in the colour, um, they do the festival field of remembrance, that sort of thing. So from my point of view, um, I was looking after their welfare. We also had the five, uh, you've got the, the Coldstream Guards, the, the Grenadier Guards, the Scots Guards, the Irish Guards, and the Welsh Guards. And their bands were all located in, in Wellington Barracks, where I worked. So we picked up those and looked after their welfare as well. So. Along with all that, there's opportunities to go on to some of the ceremonial stuff. So I, I, I've been a senior sergeant on Buckingham Palace. I've been a senior sergeant on St James's Palace. Oh. And I've been a senior sergeant on the Tower of London. Oh, brilliant. And also at Windsor Castle. Brilliant. So um, I put a grey coat on yeah. and, uh, and away I go. Going to come, so I just mount the guard, which is good fun. Yeah. Then on the Queen's birthday parade, it took us it took us a couple of years, but um, we managed to to bag a really really nut. You see when when the carriages come across and and, yeah. and the minor rolls get out and they disappear yeah. into the building. Yeah. Or they come up the stairs and they go into what used to be Wellington's office that overlooks Horse Guards Parade. Uh, and, and the minor roles are all in there. So the likes of Camilla, Harry, mm. um, Kate, okay. uh, the, the the Gloucesters, the Kents, yeah. they're mm. all up there with the kids and that, all watching the parade out, out the window. My job was uh, done up in my best blues uniform, was to stop people coming through um, to sort of pester them. Okay. So, <laughs> oh, okay. I've, I've met all the all the minor royals. Uh, I've met a queen on several occasions. Great. Uh, Phil the Greek, yeah. I used to have a bit of a laugh with Phil the Greek. Um, when when they come in, we, we stood at the top of the stairs and, and, and he come dodding up the stairs. He, he says, you still here? I said, yeah, I've been waiting for you. <laughs> <laughs> he did have a sense of humour. Yeah. That is an that is an honor 
thinking of how everything has started for you and how it ended beautifully for you. That is a massive honor. Yeah. Yeah. What are some of the challenges you had to encounter as you were doing your job in the army or out of the oh, army? Oh, I've got a list as long as your arm, like. <laughs> um, yeah, pretty much, pretty much every every day is a challenge. Just getting yeah. out of bed in yeah. the morning. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, on operational tours, I, I guess that presents the biggest challenges that, that, that I've had, um, particularly last last couple of tours in uh, Helmand Province, where my main focus was um, radio. Um, um, my job was delivering out radio in a box. It's like a commercial radio station okay. that we're broadcasting to the locals. So everything that I did was directed at the local population. And our role was to change attitudes and behavior of the target audience. Okay. So trying, mainly working on hearts and minds, trying to get the locals on side where if they saw um, the Taliban coming into their area, yeah. which they did all the time. I mean, the yeah. Taliban actually lived yeah. within the communities, yeah. and you could you could generally spot who they were when when you're going out into these villages. You're having um, surers, you're having meetings with the the, the village elders, mm -hmm. um, trying to get them on side, talking to them, trying to deliver out stuff. I mean, we did a lot of building the schools and putting in some infrastructure um projects so my job was to to advise the commanders that were going out on the ground uh, about how to how to run assurer um, if they, they they were unsure of what sort of how to conduct it how to speak to the to the elders and stuff like that yeah um and also to pass messages on that we, we were running a, a radio station and they could listen to the radio station. Mm -hmm. And we used to go out and we'd deliver uh, wind-up radios and stuff so they could listen to our, our, our station. Yeah. We used to drop um, little, like, um, credit card size mm -hmm. radios with, with just that mm -hmm. they could just switch on mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. just listen to, to, okay. to the one sort of that we were broadcasting on. Um, and I had lots of interpreters that worked for us that were recording stuff all the time. So pushing out messages, um, play music, uh, and and generally um, trying to run a, a commercial radio station, giving them messages, getting getting them on side bit, really. Um, that's what it was all about. This was in 2005, six. Um, and, and, and it was a shooting war back then. Um, the Taliban, would would take us on as they start brassing us up from from one position we start taking cover taking action against them and then that the run rings around us they'll run around the other side and start shooting from a different direction oh, yes. um our, our problem is that when we go out particularly on a foot patrol we're carrying an awful lot of kit and we've got the body armor on we've got a day sacks full of ammunition and water Pretty much, that's it. Um, and I remember one day we got into a contact. We'd lost comms. We'd, we'd been dropped off by helicopter. For some reason, we'd lost comms with, with back at base. And um, we'd been out for a couple of hours and we got contacted. We sent a contact report. 
uh, and got nothing back. We'd lost comms with the mm. with the base, and we were in contact for nine hours. Oh. We we we'd almost oh. we'd almost run out of ammunition. Oh. I mean that was a godsend. I mean sort of because yeah. it reduced the weight that we were carrying. <laughs> we'd almost <laughs> run out of water as well. Oh. I mean trying to uh, it was it was baking hot trying to drink to yeah. just keep fluids going oh. in. And and every time we moved the Taliban and start shooting mm -hmm. us from Monday and we'll be shooting back at them. I mean they were like falling plates. Um mm. And this particular day, I mean, somebody was smiling on us because um, other than sort of um, a bit of dehydration yeah. and um, and a bit of uh, sort of exhaustion, yeah. we didn't lose anybody. But I mean, oh, we took out quite a lot of Taliban great. that day. Wow. But we managed to extract back, I mean, as, as we was losing all this weight, we were firing off. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> sort of saving one round, keep one wow. round in your pocket for yourself yeah. and fix bayonets. <laughs> wow. but, but finally, finally, we managed to call in some fast air that, that, that took these guys out, the rest of them out, and uh, we got lifted out. But yeah, that was that was a pretty challenging day. I can imagine. Um, but it, it it was it it was one of those days that um, yeah, you don't forget in hurry. Yeah. <laughs> I nearly asked you your most memorable life experience, but I believe this might be it, or one, or it might be one of them. Oh, it's one of them that's up there, yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah. Wow. It's one I won't forget in hurry, that's for sure. Yeah. Is there um, any decision you've made um, in life that you regret making till date? You wish you had you had made it differently. Ooh. Maybe getting married the first time. Oh, okay. Yeah, been married three times now. Great. First one, first one was a divorce. The second one, uh, I was married for twenty three years. Great. Um, Great. And, and I don't understand what she was doing. She, I mean, she got cancer the first time. I managed to get over it. She got cancer the second time, and it went and died on me. Left me in a lurch. I had to go and marry oh. another bird. <laughs> But I ended up married. It's a bit of a, a sad, sad sort of story, really. Um, my best mate died a year before my wife, a year and a day before oh. my wife. Um, but we were best friends. I was best friends with his wife. And um, about four years after the, my wife had died, we decided to get together and we've been married now for 12 years. So, oh. Congratulations. so I married my best, mate's, my, my best mate's wife. wife. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant though, because then she's your friend. So it makes... Yeah, we've, we've, yeah. we've known each other for an awful long time. So, but we're happy. Yeah. We're that's retired. Most... Yeah. yeah. That's the most important thing. So we're retired happy. and... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, we, we actually got married in the Gars Chapel. Oh. It was a, it was a lovely day. I, I was done up in my best blues. We were in the Gars Chapel when she had a gorgeous dress on. Wow. And because it was it was um it was open to the public as well. Yeah. So, so we were like a couple of rock stars coming out <laughs> and getting their pictures, all these yeah. tourists taking pictures.
of us on, on the steps of, of the, the guards' chapel. And then we went through into the, the, the sergeant's mess in, in oh. running to barracks oh. for, for, for the wedding breakfast. Wow. Um, the weather was absolutely perfect. Uh, I mean, April, you, yeah. you couldn't ask for better weather. Exactly. And, um, and that, that night we went to the, the theatre. We took some friends to the theatre. Brilliant. Um, yeah. So that was that was a cracking day. That's another one that goes down in the annuals. That's good. That's good. Congratulations for 12 years of marriage because it's a difficult thing to do. And when you do it and you do it well, I think that you should be um, applauded for that because it's not easy yeah. on that journey. Yeah. Yeah. In your opinion, what is a successful life? One of your own choosing. One of your own choosing. Yep. Far too many people live lives for other people. Live life for yourself. Exactly. If 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 you yeah, if you can live life to the full and one of your own choosing, then you won't go far out. I mean that that's 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 an excess in itself. If you can if you can live your life as you as you want. Far too many people get into jobs. They get into a rut. They 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 just it's a daily grind just to get out of bed in the morning. And oh god, oh, it's Monday again. Oh yeah. no, got to, all, got to work sort of sixty hours a week to get to Friday, and and by the time you get to 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 Friday, you you're too exhausted to enjoy the weekend. Yeah, yeah, it's it's easy to to to, to fall into that trap, I think, and. If you are in that sort of predicament, it, try and get out of it. Try yeah. and make something that you want to do. If, you, if you're stuck in a job that's a dead-end job, you don't know it, try and better yourself to find something better. And, exactly. And it's out there. It's, exactly. it's out there for the taking. Exactly. And that's all you've got to do, just get on with it. Um, that's my advice. Yeah. Always have a, a full glass. Yeah. I can't there agree any less. I cannot agree any less. But um, it will not be right for us not to talk about this because you've been in the army and yep. um, with current events, what's going on here now with um, Ukraine and Russia? What is Whoa. your take on it? Do you think this war is going to be ending anytime soon? Do you see it as expanding beyond the borders of Ukraine? What is your take on everything that is going on? I think Putin yeah. is, is bitten off a little bit more than he can chew with the Ukrainians. Mm. I think if if he does get into the country, he's going to have a guerrilla war on his hands. He's going he's gonna to suffer pretty much the same problems that the Russians had when they went into Afghanistan in the seventies. Mm. Mm. They're, they're not going to take him on front on because I mean, skin and bone against the tank is a little bit um, one-sided <laughs> in favour of the tank. Yeah. However, a guerrilla operation where they're attacking him from all sides and, mm. and everybody mm. and everybody will have, have a go. I mean, the Ukrainian government have issued everybody an AK-47 yeah. and a load of ammunition, say, fill your boots. 
and um, already Putin has lost more more soldiers yes. than than, than the, the Ukrainians have lost so far. So it's not going to end well for him. But if we let him get away with it, he will expand and try and take into the Baltic states. And mm. if that happens, then we get we get dragged into it anyway because they're part of NATO. Yeah, Ukraine's not part of NATO, which which is kind of the problem. But when you when you say that, neither was Afghanistan, neither was Iraq, neither were the Balkans when we went into to Kosovo, Bosnia, um, Sierra Leone. They're all non-NATO countries that we went into. So. Um, yeah, I think I think the West need to support the, the Ukrainians with um, funding and ammunition, and uh, and they also need to start freezing up all of his assets uh, for the immigrants uh, across the world. Just freeze all his assets, all that money that is is siphoned off out of Russia, Bob. The problem we've got is that um, Germany and Italy have, have vetoed putting those sort of sanctions on at the moment because that's where they get all their gas from. Wow. I mean, that's 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 one of the biggest problems. That's yeah. because they're reliant on his energy uh, for their, their his gas for their energy. Okay. They don't want to upset the apple cart too much. But if he does get away with it, you can guarantee that Xi Jinping is going to walk straight into uh, Taiwan before you can blink. Wow. And I think that'll be the next one. He, in fact, he's probably sneaking in there at the moment mm. without us noticing because the world's focusing on Ukraine. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, my, we, need, my... we need to stop Putin in his tracks. But it, it, he cannot get away with it. And if he does, then then it's just going to end badly for the rest of us. I just hope it doesn't end badly for the rest of us. And that's been my prayer here, that at least something should be done to stop it immediately. But uh, from what I hear, the American soldiers are not stopping it yet. They're not doing anything to stop it yet. They've just created a border and said, if he crosses, then it's going to be World War III. Yeah. But then I just hope that they'll, they'll be able to bring it to a stop as quickly as possible before it stretches out beyond borders that nobody can be able to do much about yeah. it, but for us to all go in and fight. I hope it doesn't get a, a lot of it is down to the um, the Russian people. They they need to to realise that the West ain't going to stand for it. They're the ones that's going to suffer more yeah. than Putin himself. Yeah. Um, the the drama is that they don't get an elected government, do they? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a shame. Shame. Well, if you had one wish for 2022, what would that wish be, and why? To turn the clock back at least three years, so we can go back to pre <laughs> BC before COVID. Before COVID, yeah, I wish the same. I, it's, it's, I mean, the UK is now lifted, or England, mm -hmm. not not the UK. England has lifted. All the restrictions, yeah, everything done everything. away with a lot. 
Um, but going about, you, the, the government has done such a good propaganda job mm -hmm. on uh, instilling fear into the population that people are still wandering around with masks on. Yeah. When, when most of the masks that they're wearing, if you read what it says on a packet, it says, uh, not for use against an airborne virus. Mm. <laughs> mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah. They, they've had this this fear instilled in them that if they take their mask off, they're going to kill Granny. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, from that point of view, it's uh, yeah, it's it's. I'd, I'd like to see BC before COVID. Before COVID, wow. I or, I agree with that. Or EC end of COVID. End of COVID. Uh, do we see it ending anytime soon? That is another war on its own, isn't it? Yeah. It is. I mean, that has cost trillions. Trillions. I mean, the, the UK has, has borrowed somewhere, I think it's around about two to three trillion. Oh. For this pandemic, which in hindsight um, was totally unnecessary. Oh. We should have followed... Sweden's um, yeah. take on it. I mean, Sweden didn't lock down. They didn't uh, destroy their yeah, economy. Um, their economy. They they gave people the information and let people yeah. make their own minds up to what they did. Dude. Whereas most of the other countries Frenchies. around there um, enforced lockdowns on people, which don't work. They just yeah. prolong it. They just yeah. stretch it out. Know, forcing people to wear masks that don't work against an airborne virus. <laughs> so, wow! And, yeah. and and if you, if you see that they they got people sort of washing their hands to to sort of down to the bone, yeah. And it's an airborne <laughs> virus. So yeah, they they done a pretty good job on um, <laughs> on propaganda against us. Yeah, my God, my God, it, it well, that's, I, that's, that's my take on it anyway. Yeah, but I, I don't, I, I think I agree with you in on a lot of fronts with what you said, um, mm. with the fact that there is still a lot of fear. And I think it was fear that made all of us come to a halt, actually bring every action to a halt, which is now yeah. affecting us. Everything has been affected. Prices have gone high, food is shot up and all of that. When you talk to mothers, yesterday somebody said i before covid i would spend 100 pounds for shopping for my family my children and my husband and we can go through the week with 100 pounds now 100 pounds can't even take us through the week with food so everything has gone up and you can see that is as a result of covid and the lockdowns and everything else that came with it so for me just like you i'd wish that three years back all this never happened china is the ones that have benefited most from this pandemic they was the ones that started it and yeah. they're the ones that selling all the ppe yeah yeah they're selling uh, and we're still buying the stuff off them you're still Why? buying them yeah they're, they're still insist have have you seen the testing the test yes. kit take the test kit open the box of test kit look at the amount of plastic waste is in there yeah look at a mask the amount of plastic waste in those and and we're spending trillions on it and, so and they're trying to get rid of plastics in in, in the environment, in the, but yeah, we are producing around the, the, the discarded um, plastics everywhere. This ma mask 
all over the street, blowing into the... Yeah, in the, the air and everywhere. Oh, no, it's a shame. It's as if that we, we actually, in return, destroyed the environment some more before COVID. So everything yeah. has been impacted, though. Everything, the environment, yeah. our, our lives, everything else has been impacted. That's a, that's a big shame. But hopefully, I pray that at least we'll be able to go back to some sanity, just a little bit more where we were before. COVID, that would yeah. be a, a big, a, a big, massive step. What would your final message be to our listeners as we wrap up? Oh, the finest. Um, yeah, my, 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 my advice would be always have your glass half full and live life, live every day as though it's your last and be nice to people. Treat people as you want to be treated and you, you won't go far wrong in life. I totally agree. Treat people as you would want to be treated. That is well said. Would like to say a massive thank you, Tim, for coming yeah. on podcast with Sheila today. You're welcome. If you've been listening in, this is season two, episode 47 of our podcast series, where we've been bringing your way seasoned guests with inspiring real life stories to share with us. Do not miss out on all these lovely experiences. Subscribe and be notified when a new episode is released. Whilst at it, please drop us a rating. We have a video presentation of this episode on our YouTube channel. Just search for podcast with Sheila on YouTube and you'll find us. Our prayer for you this week is that the Lord will set a table before you in the presence of your enemies. Until we meet again, have a brilliant week.